It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 26. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We have a unique podcast for you this week, and I think you're going to enjoy it, especially if you're a Gopher fan, and you must be if you're listening to this, and also if you're a fan of college sports traditions. My podcast guest this week is Betsy McCann. She's the director of the University of Minnesota Marching and Athletic Bands, including the Pride of Minnesota Marching Band you hear every Saturday home game in the fall at the stadium. She's the first female director of marching bands in the Big Ten, and I think you'll enjoy learning more about the band that we get to enjoy every week. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. You can get a no-cost, confidential, no-obligation business valuation today. Make the most of your life's work. Here's what you do. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. Tony is a big Gopher fan. I invite you to subscribe to our podcast. It's free to click the subscribe button. You can listen to our show at any time you want. You can go back and listen to our previous podcast as well. That includes last week's show, which featured Gopher men's basketball coach Ben Johnson, his second appearance on our Go Gopher podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to that one as well. I'd also invite you to offer feedback on our podcast and share or retweet links to the Go Gopher podcast so others can find out about the podcast and listen as well. When we come back, we're talking music, marching band music. But first, a word from Tony. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900. Or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. Yes, it's time to strike up the band. We're going to talk marching band and the pride of Minnesota marching band. And the director of marching bands and athletic bands at the University of Minnesota is Betsy McCann. And she's been kind enough to join us for episode number 26 of the Go Gopher podcast. And Betsy, good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited about this because I think um, this is one, uh, as you know, I like the band. One of the things I do uh, in the pregame while I'm up in the radio booth is I like to tweet out a little video or a picture of the band for for. Uh, each home game uh, and the pregame is cool. The halftime shows are always good, although admittedly I, I am busy during halftime uh, sometimes, so I don't get to watch all of the show, but I try to catch some of it. So one, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, but there's a lot I don't know about the band and the inner workings, and I think a lot of fans who watch the band might be interested in some of how this goes. And and so I appreciate you joining us, and we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about that here over the course of our podcast. Um, at my first general question, though, just and this is just a total softball, but how how cool is it? How much fun do you have knowing you know that you're kind of part of one of college sports great traditions I mean no matter where you're at the marching band at the football game on a Saturday I mean that is uh, that is really the difference between uh, college football and marching bands and maybe say the NFL or anything else I mean that is that is a key piece of of the tradition and history it is absolutely the marching band and the spirit squad I think we make college football that special thing that it is in so many ways. And it's incredible to be a part of it. Our program is 132 years old now. And to know that I'm fortunate enough to be able to lead it for now, you know, after all that history is pretty awesome. I get to work with amazing people, amazing students, colleagues. It's a great place to be. Take me through just how big the roster is. Uh, you know who's all involved in terms of you know we we t- think of it like a football team. You got 105 players. You've probably got 15 coaches. You've got athletic trainers and all of that. What does the marching band roster comprise in terms of directors and uh, how how the uh, band is maybe uh, divvied up in terms of instruments and all of that and total numbers and give us the the facts and figures if you would. 
Well, it's a great time to ask that because I'm working all of that out right now with with our new member auditions. So we march 320 students, although in the last couple of years, I've kind of bumped us up into the 325, 330 range. And those students come from all over the country. They come from every major on campus. In fact, only about 10% of our students are actually music majors. Most of them are something else. Most of them are engineers. We have more College of Science and Engineering students than any other college. Um, So those students are just incredible coming from all over the place. But it's tough to get in. We're going through auditions right now. Every returning member has to re-audition to re-earn their spot and then new members audition in and and it is quite competitive. So we've got 320, 330 marchers. Staff-wise, we actually don't have any full-time staff. I obviously direct the band, but I also teach in the School of Music. I'm a professor in the School of Music and teach classes there. Same thing with my assistant director, works with marching band, athletic bands, also over in the School of Music, doing other groups and other classes. And then we've got all total, maybe a dozen paid staff, student staff and, um, you know, adult staff for lack of a better term, I suppose. But we rely on volunteers so heavily to make it work. We've got about 50 volunteers who spend unbelievable amounts of time doing everything from announcing to working with students on a day-to-day basis to setting up our rehearsals and tearing down the equipment at the end to running parades. I mean, they do an unbelievable amount of work. So we rely on them to keep things running for sure. Yeah, it's an operation. You're talking about 300 people, right? I mean, I hear like PJ PJ Fleck always talks about, you know, I'm watching over 105 people. You're watching over 300 plus people, you know, to uh, uh, to make sure they're all in the right spot and, and to do all those things. And so um, I would think it does take a few people to make sure that operation is running, uh, you know, like a well-oiled machine. It certainly does. Yeah. I mean, even just, you know, feeding everybody is is an operation in and of itself. We have a really robust student leadership team, too, and they go through a retreat of training in August to prepare. And we rely on our student leaders quite a bit because when you've got 320 people on a football field all needing to be in the same correct place and play the right thing, I, I can't do that on myself from, you know, my ladder teaching. So <laughs> we rely on the students quite a bit. Yeah, and certainly as we get uh, further along in the podcast, I'll ask you kind of how, how a program comes together and how everybody knows where they're supposed to be and makes it look so good. But uh, a few more things just in general terms to kind of lay the, the background and foundation. You mentioned you're in the middle of auditions right now. Uh, what is that process like? How, how do you go about picking those 320 or 30 marching band members? It's an intense process. The vast majority of our students send in video auditions. And we've been doing that for a number of years. Actually, pre-pandemic, we had that in place, which we were grateful for come 2020. But that helps us just have better access for students coming in from everywhere. They don't have to actually literally come into the cities to audition. So they play their best on their instruments. They send it in. A number of students will send in auditions on multiple instruments if they play more than one. And then literally starting today, my assistant director and I start listening through all of those and figuring out, you know, where's the cut and who can we get in? The students also submit a personal statement on why they want to be a gopher, why they want to be in the band. And that helps us too with our scholarships. We try to give out as many scholarships as possible to kind of recognize these students for the service they do. So that's another element of that. So I've got, gosh, right now I'm sitting at 130 videos or so to go through of all these awesome high school musicians, transfer students, even current U of M students who didn't join the band right away and have realized, oh, I want to be in that band. So do you get a few too potentially that maybe didn't make it last year that will retry and maybe they practiced, maybe they got a little better, maybe they caught your ear a little different this year that, uh, that, that that's a possibility? If not once, try again? Oh, yeah. All the time. Um, a really large percentage. I don't have a number. I wish I did. But a huge percentage of our incoming class of students are sophomores, juniors, and even seniors who give it a try a few times and and get in. You know, if they don't get in their freshman year or their first time trying, we have our athletic bands that play for the other sports that we're at. And a lot of those students will play in those bands or they play in our concert bands and, you know, work on their skill from there and then try again for the marching band. So is, is, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, is the marching band the, the, the primo band to be in if you want to be in a band on campus? That is a really great question. It's not putting me on the spot at all. It depends <laughs> on what you want. Yeah. You know, if you want, to play in front of 50,000 people and have that exposure and that excitement and be part of this band family, then absolutely. 
but that's not what everybody wants. We have a really robust concert band program. Our wind ensemble is just stellar. I mean, people playing at incredibly high levels that are going out and getting professional playing jobs after school. And that's the place where those folks want to be. And that's the primo group there. So kind of two sides on campus of what we're doing. Within the athletic bands, uh, though, the marching band would generally be considered maybe the pep band at Williams Arena or at Mariucci or any of the other events and venues uh, would be a, a, a step into uh, moving into the marching band. Is that Would that be right? It is for some students. For some students, they love playing for hockey, basketball, volleyball, you name it, and that's their spot and that's what they do. Um, the marching band is an insane time commitment. I mean, these students are full-time college students, plus they're doing marching band, which any given week is going to be between like 10 and 25 hours a week, just in band, let alone the time they have to spend outside practicing and memorizing music and all of that. So the commitment is pretty insane for the fall semester. So for a lot of students, they are very happy playing in our pep bands. They're rocking it and doing a great job there. And they don't have a desire to move into the marching band. And we want to make sure that we support those students and have a great program for them in the athletic bands too. So as you watch these videos now that students are sending in, and you know, I'm I'm guessing you're on some sort of a timeline. What do you watch and listen for? What what uh, what what is you know a good audition tape, so to speak? Yeah, that's a great question. We're looking for people who are already great musicians, so that we don't have to teach a whole lot on the musical side. We want them to be able to come in and look at all the music that we're going to put in front of them and have them be able to just play that and make it be great. And then when we rehearse music rehearsals and we're sitting down inside doing music, our goal is to take everybody who's an individual playing great and make them actually sound great together. And then that's our job as instructors. We don't require that they have any marching knowledge when they come into the gate. So there's no marching in the audition. We get students who have been marching for years. We get students who have never marched a day in their life, have never stood on football field, you know, and everything in between. But that's something that we know that we can teach. Our marching style here is different than the marching styles at any other college or high school. Everyone's got their own little things. So we know that even if everybody came in as a stellar marcher, we'd be reteaching the style anyway. So we don't require that for the audition. We just want great musicians coming in the door and people who have an awesome attitude and are ready to work hard. So the audition tape doesn't include maybe somebody high-stepping while they're playing their trombone or trumpet. It's just the music is what you're looking for. Right. Yeah, we tried that, you know, computer marching in your apartment thing during the pandemic, and we don't need to go back to that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no need for that for sure. I'll ask you about the pandemic coming up here in a little while as well. Um, so, and, and marching is interesting. Um, so I was I was a trumpet player uh, fifth grade through eighth grade, and then I got to high school and different interest and um, and all that. But I was third chair, so I wasn't terrible. I could play and, you know, won a couple blue ribbons over the years. But we always were just part of the band. We would sit in, sit in a chair and play. And then one Fourth of July, I want to say I was in eighth grade, we went to a Fourth of July parade. So it was a middle school band. And all of a sudden, we start walking and playing, and I couldn't play. I mean, I did not realize, you know, you figure you're to walk and play is, you know, I mean, I'm not that musical, clearly. I only, you know, stuck it out through eighth grade, but I couldn't believe. I mean, halfway through the thing, I'm finally figuring out how to play and walk at the same time, as stupid as that sounds. No, it's not stupid at all. It's 100% normal. And that's that's the way it is. I mean, it's shocking. You add one element to something that you are already good at, like playing, and it gets really tough. Yeah. Um, and that's like the normal parade marching. Once you get into the high step, it's physically really challenging. We have our students on a physical conditioning routine all summer. Like they've got workouts that we're asking them to be doing just to get ready. We have a big group do Goldies Run every year, and our students always say after Goldies Run, it is way harder to march the pregame show than run the 5k <laughs> just to be able to play and breathe and march and do all that at the same time it's a lot well and um i i hadn't thought of this but i want to ask you now that you brought it up because in addition to being in good shape you think about you know that september 1st game you know that could be 90 degrees and then that november 29th game could be 10 degrees so you also have to deal with elements quite a bit and you think about you know you're wearing those those uniforms um, I would think uh, that that could be fairly hot early in the season, and then you're probably packing on, you know, um, you know, uh, insulated clothes under it uh, late in the season. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Now our students from Texas, they'll show up to the first game and they're like, what are y'all complaining about? This is fine. Um, but you know, the kids who aren't used to it, it's really hot. Thankfully we have layers that we can put on the uniform and, Mm -hmm. you know, take off obviously in August for that first game. But by the end of the season, we're wearing a lot of layers and there've been games where the instruments just literally freeze. We have special valve oil we put in to try to keep everything running and it just gets cold enough that they just don't play. So we just cycle students in and out and they bring instrument inside and thaw it out. And then when someone else freezes, they go outside and replace them and we do our best. See, this is the inside stuff. I don't think many of the 50,000 people that themselves are freezing understand what happens for you guys when it's 10 degrees out, what you have to do to put on a halftime show, right? Right. Well, there was one show in 20. 20- gosh, 13, I think, where we just gave up and had the drumline play because literally every other instrument was frozen and couldn't play just because of the spit that gets in the sure. instrument and yeah. you're done. Well, so. I, I'm envisioning in my mind the the the, uh, the the little kid who put his tongue on the flagpole in the, in the Christmas movie. I, it's probably not even that safe sometimes, right? If you're playing a, a brass instrument at, at, at some point, you might be stuck yeah, to your instrument. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have two sets of mouthpieces. There's the normal metal ones and then we have plastic ones and we have a line where it gets below the line you can use the plastic mouthpiece so you don't become that kid wow man yeah that's pretty good all right so let's um so you're in the middle of auditions what's the timeline now as we talk on this friday are we looking you'll have a roster set within the next week or two yep we'll have a roster set by next friday and then we really start rolling forward um you know at this point we have all of our shows set we know what we're going to be doing we do seven different halftime shows one for each game so we've got the music figured out but now it's time to get learning. So we send the music out to all the new members for the first few shows at least. We get all the school songs out to the new members so they can learn all of that. Uh, our SPAC camp, which is our preseason camp schedule, is pretty much set. Our leadership retreat is set. So we start to get all that out to the students and get planning with just the little details within that. But we really start planning our season in January. We get back from the bull trip, wrap that up, breathe quick. <laughs> <laughs> and dive in. So much of it is already in the can and ready to go. And and, and the plan is there. Is Are there students, maybe first-year students who are applying or auditioning, I should say right now, who uh, their attendance at the school is contingent? If they make the band, they'll enroll. And if not, they'll go to a different school. Or is, are all the additions right now people who are going to enroll for sure? Yeah, that's a great question. We have two rounds of auditions for that reason. So we have an early round back in March for the students who they want to know before they have to decide in May what college they're going to go to. And that that is a big factor. There are students who come here because they want to be in the marching band, and that's why they're coming to be a gopher. So so we, we had about, I don't know, 60 students or so audition back in March for that early decision. And then now the students coming in know that they're coming to school here. They're set. That said, we have students from local like community colleges or post-secondary students who aren't students at the U, but they're going to take the class through continuing education because they don't have a marching band opportunity where they are. So we have a few students like that. So you have some students on on the Minnesota band who might not be full-time U of M students, but they're students and, and they're getting a great opportunity. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Um, so the other question then along those lines uh, from from a uh, from the audition standpoint and then you, you make the roster. Um, are all of the members uh, chosen based on auditions or do you like a football coach might go out and watch a high school band or recruit or, you know, of a, you know, students who uh, are high level achievers uh, musically up through the years and you want them to be a member of the band. So is there some recruiting before too? Yes. I'm recruiting all the time. My colleagues, the other three band directors here at the U are recruiting all the time. Um, we're, our normal thing isn't the same as a football coach. We're not necessarily watching that one kid that we yeah. really want, but we're always in high school band rooms, just rehearsing the band. You know, let's say they have fourth period band and we'll go in that day and work on the pieces that they're doing with their normal director and just give them some other insights. Or we'll go around the country and conduct different honor bands, um, all state bands, teach at camps. I'm leaving in two weeks for a, a camp to go teach, that kind of a thing. And it's, it's great. It's a great way for us to recruit and get kids interested in the university and coming to our programs, but also just impact a ton of kids from all over the place and help 
us use what we do to help other folks kind of get better at what they do and what they love. So it's a lot of fun. You mentioned scholarships too. Uh, tell us the scholarship situation with with the marching band. How does that work, and how many do you get, and how do you try to divvy them up, uh, you know, in an equitable manner? I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd have something for everybody in the band. They're they put in so much time, so much work, and they're just such awesome um, people to get the band out there to the world. But I don't have that much money, unfortunately. So we have a ton of amazing donors. Our scholarship giving has been just going crazy these last number of years. So at this point, we've got scholarships ranging from five hundred to four thousand dollars a year. Most of them are recurring year after year, and we have about, gosh, I think I'm probably at thirty-five, forty percent of our students on one of those scholarships. So some of those we give out before the season as recruiting scholarships. Some of those we give out after the season that are year-end banquet as a recognition for the work that was done for that year. But we're always always looking for more. I mean, the goal is to get everybody eventually on a scholarship to be in band. And then are some of those, like football, uh, basketball, those are full-ride scholarships. And then you look at like the baseball team, uh, they might divvy them up. Like somebody might get a 20% scholarship. Somebody might get books paid for or something. Uh, do you, is, that, uh, is it a percentage? Do some of your students maybe get full rides? How does that work? We're the baseball team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to be able to give out those full rides, but no, our, our largest scholarship is $4,000 a year, Yep. which is significant makes a big difference to those students. And we're really proud to be able to help them out with that. You know, it's, it's a part-time job to be a marching band and some students do have part-time jobs in addition to it. And we would love to be able to support the students so they don't have to do that. So they can just be a student, be in band and be okay. Um, uh, the uh, all the athletic teams have camps, and I'm not going to bring up the band camp line that I'm sure you hear almost every day, right? Um, but do you guys have camps, and do you recruit through those as well? That's a great question. We have, you know, not like a, a week camp, but we've got days. So the one we do in the spring, I love because the students do all the work. My current <laughs> students, they are so good. They plan everything. They talk to the high school band directors to recruit students to come into the camps. They run the whole day. They teach the whole day. And I get to show up and just watch my students be awesome. It's so cool. So we've got a day in the spring where we bring high schoolers in from all over. It's it's a day in the life of the Big Ten band, basically. And they do some marching and they do some playing and they get a campus tour and they get to meet my awesome students and see what that's like. And then in the fall, everyone's going to see the second football game. We're going to have the halftime show just packed on the field with high school students from both band and spirit squad. It's our high school band cheer and dance day. And our goal is to get a thousand high schoolers on that field with us to play for that halftime show. And that's just an awesome opportunity. You know, if you're in high school and you get on that field and you see all those fans out there and you get to perform in that place with those people. So that's a fun one for us. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorites. I like, and then you see the different school colors with the uniforms out there, and it just it, one. It sounds great, obviously, but it looks great as well, right? I mean, just to see all those high schoolers in their own uniforms, and then the pride of Minnesota maroon and gold out there uh, mixing in with. Yeah, yeah, it's an exciting day for us, and they're with us all day. I mean, they show up for that six a.m. rehearsal, and they're going through their tailgating, and they stay stay through that show. So they put in a full day. Um, how did the pandemic affect uh, the marching band? Obviously, there were no fans, uh, no no shows, so to speak, for that one year. I guess that would have been twenty twenty. Um, how did that impact what you guys uh, did, and 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 are you still feeling some effects of of that? Yeah, that's a great question. It it had a huge impact, of course. I mean, it did on all of us in so many different ways. But for us, we were super concerned with the aerosols. And there was a ton of research going on in that summer of 2020 on can you play wind instruments safely around each other. Now, we had the advantage that we were outside. So that helped a lot for us to be able to be safe around each other. But in that 2020 season, we were larger than the was legal. You know, the governor had a cap of 250 people in a place, which we were well over. So we had the band split into three different bands. So we had one completely virtual band and then two in-person bands. They never saw each other. It was like very strict protocol on how you get into the stadium for rehearsal and then how you get out. We didn't cross with the other in-person band. Um, we, we just had different shows for each of those little bands and the virtual people we would take their videos and put it in the video of our shows it was a very very different experience in a different year but I was shocked at how we were still able to operate 
you know, a lot of bands just didn't have mm-hmm. band. They didn't do it or they would just have virtual meetings now and then and talk. Um, but we were able to make it happen. Our students were incredibly resilient. I mean, they all learned how to march on the computer. We had our preseason camp virtually over Zoom because our first two weeks of school were on Zoom. So the two weeks of camp before school, we also had to Zoom. And it was incredible to see what they could do and how they could even create community. The students worked really hard to keep band community going strong through that. And they were amazing. So it was a wild year, but we did it. And then in 2021, we were back mostly to normal. Yeah. But I think we're going to see an impact for a number of years. You know, I, I worry about in the schools and high schools and middle school, kids who were in band over the last few years, not getting a great education how many quit? Because band's no fun when you're doing it just online. You know, yeah. what's going to happen there with our numbers coming in over the next few years? And are we going to have to be playing catch up with that education? You know, as we're talking about an education everywhere at every level, we're yeah. all seeing it. Yeah, that would be an, an interesting as the uh, the next few years uh, trickle off in not just band and just uh, all kinds of stuff, I suppose, in general. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know a few years back, and maybe the pandemic put a, a, at least a temporary stop to this, but I think there was a day uh, during the season, maybe for a couple years in a row, where PJ Fleck had the band over for pizza to the facility. Uh, t- take us through what that day was like and what's it like to have the, the head coach of the program uh, you know, uh, be a supporter of the marching band. We are so fortunate. Yeah, I mean, he is such a supporter of the band. He appreciates what these students do and he lets them know. And that just means the world to the students in the band. So, yeah, he would, he would, um, and obviously this didn't happen during the pandemic because many things didn't happen during the pandemic. But, you know, every year buy pizza for the band and he'd come in and talk to them and let them know how much they meant. Uh, there was one year, and Mike, if you want to do this, you let me know. One year he came in and he played trumpet for the band. Ooh, wow. So they, they ate that up. So let me know. You don't have to buy pizza, but you can come in and play with us. <laughs> I don't, uh, I think I could still play the scale. Um, I don't know if I could read music anymore. I mean, I know the letters and, and, and such, but I don't know if I could, I could read it and, and apply it to the, uh, to the uh, fingering of the, uh, of the, and, and technically I I think I played cornet, which I think is what a little smaller trumpet. But either way, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could play the, um, I could play the scale. That's about it. I still know how you know because you play it so much uh, back then. But yeah, it's just muscle memory. So at P- some point, PJ so. was a trumpet player as well, huh? Correct. Wow. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. So there's something else you guys have in common. Yeah. There we go. Um, there we go. He's so great with the band. I mean, at the games, bringing the team over for the alma mater at the end of the game and having that moment together was great. And he often comes up on the ladder and talks to the group and is is really wonderful at bringing the band into the whole game day experience in a way that is unusual. Yeah, I, I think that's cool too because I've seen that, and um, you know, I think it's neat. I think PJ understands uh, tradition. I think he loves that part of and appreciates the part of, of as you mentioned, the hard work. Uh, he understands that um, that that it that obviously there's a football game, but there's other people who that's a big day. Uh, you know that the game uh, isn't a part of, but it's a big day for for a lot of people. You know, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, he gets that, and and he's a great partner with everybody who's part of game day. Now you um, also work with the athletic department in relation to like bowl trips or the pep bands will go to the NCAAs or uh, the big 10 tournaments or what have you. Um, So I'm sure that's a process and it takes uh, some logistical work. And um, how is that working with the, with the athletic department along those lines? They're fantastic to work with. I try not to tell my colleagues at other colleges and universities across the country <laughs> too much about our athletic department here because they really are phenomenal to work with. Um, they commit to bring the band on these bowl trips, even though we're obviously expensive to get this. You know, it's a travel party of 350 roughly. That's not a cheap group to fly around and feed and house and all of that. Um, but they commit to having us be a part of that year after year. And they're wonderful to work with in all the planning. You know, with those bowl trips, we find out December 5th-ish, we'll say, which game we're going to. Right. And then we have just a couple weeks to plan a trip for those 350 people. And we can't even plan our show until December 5th or whatever it is, because every game has a different requirement. One, you might have to do a five-minute pregame, and one, you might have to do a seven-minute halftime. And we don't even know what show we're going to do until (laughs) December hits. And then it's a very 
busy few weeks from there. Yeah, well, and you think about so you have 330 players, and all those instruments have to be kept track of, right, and put on a plane probably, or maybe they're put on the semi like the football gear. I don't know how it all gets there, but um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, I assume. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, and all those uniforms, we've got to you know ship those. So we do run a semi out for all the games and we have students who we hire who manage all the instruments students who manage all of the uniforms students who deal with kind of the business end of things and we delegate a lot of work to our student workers yeah i think it's kind of cool too because the the bowl game we hear this with the team a lot okay you had a good season so you get a reward you go to phoenix or you go to houston or wherever you know orlando you think of some of these uh, you know pretty fun trips Uh, i would assume that it's the same mentality for the band you know you work hard you mentioned it's almost like a full-time job in addition to being a student and then um all of a sudden the team gets to go to a to the bowl game and it's a nice i would think uh, a little pat on the back and uh, a little reward for for all of your uh, band members as well it certainly is. Yeah, they look forward to those bowl trips. Those are memories that they keep with them forever going forward. They're really fantastic opportunities. And we um, travel with the, the the pep bands. We'll go with us like when we go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten basketball tournament, and we'll, they'll stay in the hotel. And I, I just love it because there's you know they'll go out in groups of six or eight, and it's off to you know whatever uh, you know I'm just you know McDonald's or wherever, and you know they're they're and you go out on the street and there's there's you know. 60 or I don't know how many in a pep band, 20 or 30, uh, you know, uh, and they're just out and about and wearing their gopher gear and smiles on their face. I love it. It's great. Yeah, they're wonderful. And those trips are so fun for them. And those are always the unknowns of how long are we going to stay? How many games is a team going to go through? So yeah. they just go in and say, okay, we're happy with whatever. This yeah. is going to be great. It'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, and and they're part of the show, and I know that uh, in watching, you know, the other school also has the pep band. So um, there's times they get to play, and then uh, there's compete. That sometimes they'll they'll uh, you know try to uh, compete with each other, and depending on who wins, who gets to play, it's awesome. It's it, it's really fun. Now I've got to ask you too. Uh, there are some bands that that take a road trip every year. Uh, I know there's been a couple bands that have come into into the Gopher Stadium. I think Ohio State came one year. I think maybe Iowa came one year. Wisconsin, I can't remember, but probably I think. Um, um, now you guys used to take bowl trips, but it's been a while. Or, uh, I mean, regular season. Usually, it's one trip. Like like most schools aren't going to travel their band uh, to all the road games, but pick one. You guys ha- had not been able for a while, and then was it three or four years ago you, you uh, got to go to Nebraska, which was great. And I know you're you're trying to work to continue to raise funds because, as you mentioned, it's not uh, it's not cheap to travel that many uh, kids to a uh, to a game. So take it. Give us an update on on how that uh, process is uh, playing out, and are you going to be able to to maybe make a, a regular season road trip, uh, you know, maybe once a year over the, you know, over the, in the future here. That's the goal. Yeah. I mean, what we're working to do is set up a financial structure that the bands that you see traveling regularly have. So, you know, the bands in the big 10 and the sec, some of these other schools that travel regularly, they've just got endowments where they know that there's going to be this money that's available to them kicking out every year to go on that trip. Um, so that's what we're working towards. We're fundraising to get that endowment so that we can have the money each year to go on a trip. It's just the kind of thing that's not in our budget. And we haven't found the support in the university to send the band on an away trip every year because it is a pretty large number to get that group going. Even somewhere close like Nebraska, you know, (laughs) I won't even think about traveling to Maryland or farther yet. Um, so we're fundraising for that. We we aren't going to be traveling this year. We just don't have the money available to us to travel this season. That was the hope. Since our Nebraska trip, mm-hmm. all those students have now graduated. Our hope was to get another trip this year for a new crop of students, but we're just not there with the fundraising. But we're working on it. The goal is to make it so we can travel every year. Every other year as a start, if we need to, that's fine. We just got to hit that endowment level where we have that money coming back to us. So if there are some supporters of the marching band, whether it's for a trip or a scholarship or what have you, um, how can they how can they help? I mean, I suppose financially is 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 as good as anyway, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got we've got four main fundraising goals right now that we're working on. The scholarships are a huge one. The travel is a big one. And the other two are community engagement. We just want to have more opportunity to get out and see the kids who are here in Minneapolis that we don't work with and also work with bands who are out state, you know, let's take a trip out and play a high school football game in, you know, you name it, the city out there, Bemidji or Grand Rapids or down to Rochester, whatever. We'd love to be able to serve the state more. It's just so expensive for us to do so. It's not in our budget. So we have that community engagement and then we're trying to endow the directorship so that in perpetuity going forward, 
the position that I have now is going to be stable and set up for people to come in this position, you know, when I'm not in it anymore. Yeah. I'm under no illusion I'll be here forever. You know, we've had, I don't know, 18 directors or something like that. So <laughs> I'm not going to be the last one. So I'm trying to set that up for success going forward. But we have a great fundraising person who works with us from the foundation. We've got a lot of good initiatives going on. It's easy to get connected with us if people are interested in learning more and being part of it. Is that who someone should uh, contact as the foundation and then and mention their interest in the band? Is that the easiest way? Yep. They can even go to our website, Marching Band's website, which is just through the U. If you go to the U of M and just search Marching Band, you'll find us and there's connections connections there. Well, you mentioned your position. Um, you're a bit of a trailblazer in that you're you're the first female marching band director in the Big Ten, which I was frankly a little surprised by, but, um, you know, kudos for that. Um, are there has, has anyone followed suit now? Or are you still the Lone Ranger, so to speak, in this uh, endeavor? I am not. I've, I've got another buddy with me now. Andrea <laughs> Brown out in Maryland is is another head director in the Big Ten. And I'll, I'll say I was also surprised <laughs> when I found out I was the first head director. We've had a number of assistant directors in the Big Ten, and there are a number of assistant directors now, but all of my colleagues have been incredibly welcoming. I mean, I've never felt within the Big Ten with my directors or here at the university that, you know, there was anything weird about being a woman in the job. The folks who I work with are really fabulous to work with, and it's been great. Is is it something uh, you always wanted to be a part of in terms of I know you played for the Pride of Minnesota Marching Band as a student and then I, I know you worked with high school bands and is that how it works? You just work your way up into the into the uh, position? Well, honestly, I, I never had this in my sights. I loved teaching high school. I thought I was going to be a high school band forever. I wanted to be like the best high school band director and and I thought that was my career path, but life is weird and it zigzags and <laughs> it zigzagged and ended up here as the assistant director, just as this little like part-time only for the fall thing. I was having a baby right after the season was out and then I could take the spring off and I thought, okay, this is a perfect fit for right now. And then I got here and realized, oh, I really love this. I thought I loved teaching high school band. I really love doing this. Yeah. So amazing. Here I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, take me through what um, you mentioned, you know, it's it's nearly a full-time job. What's the typical week? So there's a home game on Saturday. Uh, let's start with maybe Sunday. Uh, what's the week look like as you guys get the, uh, the, the, the show, for lack of a better term, prepared? Sure. Um, Sunday, the students catch up on all the homework they didn't do all week. That's <laughs> <laughs> how that works for yeah, them. Right. Uh, and then we we start back again on Monday. So our pregame show, we have elements that are just decades and decades old that we can't fit the whole band into those things. So if you think about the swinging gates or the yep. rotation of the block M, we go off the field. And we can only fit a portion of the band in that. So not every student is in that, what we call instrument block for the pregame show. They do other roles like bringing out that big flag. So Mondays after a game, we have a role uh, or a round, excuse me, of performance assessments where students do some marching, they do some playing. It's kind of a mini pregame show basically that they march through. And our student leaders create the pregame instrument block and Big Ten flag block for that next game. So Monday is that round. And then we we hit it real hard after that. I mean, if we have one week for the show, we learn incredibly fast starting on Tuesday. If we've got two or three weeks, then we can put a little bit more detailed work into it. But Tuesday through Thursday or Friday, then depending on the week, we rehearse for two hours a day. We usually do maybe a half hour of just music rehearsal, maybe... 15 minutes of just some basic fundamental work on whatever marching fundamentals are important for the halftime show coming up. And then we'll split the rest of the rehearsal between learning pregame show and learning that new halftime show. The students mostly use their phones. We've got all the music digital and one of my colleagues has created a really great system for that. And then all of the drill, which is where they move on the field is also on an app on the phone. So they can see everything there they see their dot where they're supposed to be on the field at given points and they can watch animations of it. They get a lot of information in the app of how it fits in with the music. And we use that for our teaching, which is really helpful too, because our students miss class a lot. Marching band's a class. Yeah. They have classes, you know, that make conflict. So maybe somebody can't be at rehearsal for half of every Tuesday. They're going to miss a lot, but they can that evening then look at their app, 
see what shirts we went through that they missed, kind of visualize and figure it out and come back more prepared on Wednesday. And then that takes you into Saturday? That takes us into Saturday. Yep. So Saturday we'll start rehearsal depending on how early the game is, um, you know, six-ish hours before the game. So if we have one of those 11 a.m. kicks, the earliest we can start, our drumline and color guard start at 5 a.m. The rest of the band comes in at 6 a.m. The later games, we can push it back to a little bit more of a humane time. Yeah. But we'll have a hour and a half, two-hour rehearsal Saturday morning just to block everything in. ROTC comes into that rehearsal to do pregame together with them. And then we head back to the stadium, which is our home base. We've got a big facility in the stadium, and that's kind of where we live. Students all have locker rooms here. We've got all of our equipment, our repair shop. Everything is here. So we'll come back and get the instruments all ready to go, polish up all the tubas, tune the drums, <laughs> all that kind of good stuff. And then students go out and play in the various tailgate bands. Drumline goes out and does their show, kind of pregame, mingle with fans, do all of that before we get ready for kind of the big start for our performance day, which is that March over to go for spirit rally at 3M Amerayuchi. Yeah. And that's, that's just a blast. Once we get the spirit squad there and we can all march over together and play our show and then march into the stadium and start pregame. That's, that's a magical time for us. That's what we do all the work for. Uh, yeah. No, no question. And then you've got, you know, the, the halftime show. So now um, is the million dollar question. I, I, I don't know the answer to this. I think a lot of people wonder, so how do you come up with, I don't even know what the word is. Is it choreography or the marches or the formations or how do you invent those things and how do you get it done to where everyone knows where to be and it's a short, you know, in a week you have everything, you know, down to a T. Yeah, it takes a big team. Literally in February, we start planning all of that. So we get a big team of students, of staff, faculty, whoever wants to be a part of it to plan out all these halftime shows. And we'll think of, you know, themes that might be relevant any specific year or just cool themes for a show, whatever. And then based on that theme, we'll think about, well, what would be, what would make sense for how students march? Are they going to make pictures on the field that go along with it? Or is it going to be, you know, more kind of geometric shapes or whatever it happens to be? And we'll get some ideas and say, we want this to happen. Like we're doing a dragon show this year. So mm -hmm. clearly at some point in the show, we need to make a dragon on yeah. the field, right? Yeah. Um, and then we have a couple of folks we work with who are drill writers. That's work that they do. And their job is to take the number of students we have, take the music, take the show concepts, take the notes we have about what we want the things to look like on the field and actually write it in the computer system. So I met with our drill writers last week, actually, and said, OK, we're almost there. We almost have our numbers with these students. The audition's coming in right now. Um, and then they can take kind of the ideas that we generally have and put it into literal dots on the page. So there's a software program where they just write them in, they put every student in there as a dot, and then they kind of draw the pictures and the students populate that and then they manipulate and move those. And then we see that on the app on our end as well. So the students will know at the beginning, I stand right here. I'm you know on the 40 yard line, two steps in front of the front hash. Okay, I'm good. And then they know that eight counts later, they need to be on the 35 yard line four steps in front of the front hash. Wow. So then we'll practice that back and forth over those eight counts. And then we'll practice it when they're actually playing the music back and forth over those eight counts. And then when they've got that, then we'll tack on the next move. And we just go methodically from set to set to set like that. How um, A halftime show is how, usually how many songs and how many minutes? The show is 15 minutes. And that'll usually be between four and six songs. Gotcha. Plus four and six, like, songs that we plan and then yeah. Rouser Hail Minnesota right. at the end whatever we have time yeah. for before we <laughs> run out of time before on the clock. you're back to the uh, to the marching band pit I guess for uh, the, I don't know is that what you yeah. call it the uh, pride of Minnesota um, that's what I call it on the radio <laughs> well, it's a pit Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so I was going to lobby for um, you know uh, a show that would include '80s rock music because that's my wheelhouse. I'm at that age, you know, like a, a Guns and Roses, a Motley Crue. But it sounds like I'm a little late on that. So maybe for 2023, can we get an '80s rock theme halftime show? I love it. I'm all about the '80s rock theme. <laughs> Gosh, what do, we've got to have something this year. What are we doing? We have to have some '80s. I think we have Africa coming back oh, this year. Nice. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, very so that's good. That's what I know on the top of my head yeah. here. <laughs> how, and how do you come up with? Is it the students and you and everybody else that would come up with the with the themes each uh, each week? And and obviously, and I didn't know this until chatting here that it, it's done months in advance in terms of okay, we have seven home games, here's seven themes, and here's how we go. So when do you decide, and how do you decide? I guess uh, what people would like to watch and hear. We decide in February, March, and it's a committee of usually 30 to 50 students and staff who want to be part of that. And some things are a given. You know, we always do our Veterans Day show and we try to do something a little different with it every year, but we know that that's going to be that first November show. Um, Some things are, we know in a certain year we're going to make this happen. Like this year is the 50th anniversary of women as full members of the marching band. So we're doing a big show for that. So the discussion there was, we know this is going to be the celebration. What do we want that to look like? You know, what kind of music do we want to play? Um, and some things we just have a blank slate. We can figure out what we do, you know, like this dragon show. We had a group of students that was like really excited about this dragon idea and they had just a business proposal. Here are all the songs and here's what it can sound like and look like. And here's why it's awesome. And like, great. I love your proposal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making it happen. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's a, lot of, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun looking up, you know, movie anniversaries or what's coming out this year. We try to keep things relevant from year to year. Um, do you have a favorite show that the band has performed over your time as director when you think back that, yeah, uh, one, it was fun, people loved it, you liked it, it you nailed it, everybody nailed it? Oh, gosh, that is, that's a tough question, Mike. <laughs> I'm putting you on oh, the spot. My uh, but my my stock answer is the pregame show. That's what I have to yeah, say, right? Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> like our yeah. classic. Um, <laughs> You know, bringing up your 80s rock, we did a Stranger Things show, I think it was four or five years ago, and that one was a ton of fun. The music was just great. It's the one that, when we traveled to Nebraska, we brought part of it to Nebraska, we brought it on the bowl trip, so we got to do that show a lot. But that one was just silly and a ton of fun. Um, We had a show a couple years before that where we hired a piano player, a professional piano player, we got a whole sound system on the field, and we did Rhapsody in Blue on the field with the piano player. Now it was supposed to be spectacular and then it poured on us. So we didn't actually march because that's back when we were painting lines because the Vikings were here and they didn't want us to mess up the paint. So we just stood in one place and played in the pouring rain, which made it epic in its own way. Yeah, right. No doubt. Yeah, and speaking of the elements, I, I mentioned hot and cold. I forgot rain. That's uh, that's probably not a lot of fun either sometimes. Yeah, no, half the instruments can't play in the rain. They'll get wrecked. So like flutes, clarinets, saxophones, if it's raining, they can't play, which is really unfortunate. Well, and you (laughs) uh, that's another question that I hadn't thought of until just now. So the uh, the U of M marching band incorporates most instruments, right? Because I know, is it Wisconsin or Ohio State or something? It's just brass, um, but you guys have all the instruments or most of them? Yep, you are exactly right. Yeah, a lot of schools are just brass and percussion, but we... We bring everybody in. We're happy to do that and proud of it and glad that people who play all those instruments yeah. can have the opportunity. Well, and I know there's been times, too, where you've featured a particular section, and I think that's cool, too, where, you know, they get a little little uh, tip of the cap, you know? Yeah, for sure. Last year we had a trumpet feature. We're going to have a drumline feature this year. Yeah. How about the traditions? You know, like you mentioned, there's certain things, the swinging gate, uh, you know, all of those. Is there is there one or two of those particular things that you that that the uh, that you like and maybe your students like the most? You know, the swinging gates is always one that's really important to people. Our students, our fans, when we didn't have the swinging gates, so excuse me, when we didn't have the swinging gates um, in the pandemic year, that was tough for a lot of people. That yeah. that was gone, and certainly the rotation of the block M is a blast. That's, that's just a great moment and cool to watch when it fits in. And we work on that so hard. We put so much rehearsal into that. It's incredibly challenging to I make bet. that happen. Is, yeah. um, is the, uh, and you mentioned in some of the pregame that not all the students can, can be part of the actual on-field stuff. So is that uh, done by merit? Uh, so like it's an honor to be part of the swinging gate, like if you're selected to do that, or is that a, just a, a, a general rotation? Yeah, great question. We firmly believe that everybody who works at it and tries, we can teach to be ready for that. And our goal is to get every student to be on the field, marching, you know, the swinging gates and that pregame show every season. Now, it's tough. It's really hard. And it is done, you know, by merit. We have those Monday rounds of performance assessments to figure out who's going to be where. 
but our students do a really great job of making sure that if someone's not ready for it, whether it's stamina, whether it's the marching technique, whatever it is, that our student leaders work with that person and give them the extra practice and give them what they need so that they're going to be ready for that sometime in the yeah. season. couple of quick ones here before we wrap up. I know you're busy. You've got like a thousand uh, auditions to watch here. So I appreciate your time on this busy week. I hope people um, uh, are getting a really good idea of all the work that goes into it. Um, you mentioned uh, in terms of tr- hoping to get out in the community and those kind of things. And I'm sure there are people that love the marching band, but think that, and maybe this is true, the only time you get to, to, to watch is, is, you know, to go to a football game on a Saturday. Um, if someone's interested or just, uh, you know, can they, could they come watch you guys practice? Do you have other shows that maybe you put on at certain spots where they could go? And if so, um, how do they get that info? Yeah, great questions. I mean, the, the biggest way that people come see us not at a football game is at our indoor concerts. So in November, we do a weekend of concerts at Northrop where we take kind of the best shows from our halftime shows and our traditionals, and we play them in Northrop. And it's just an immersive experience. You know, if you're sitting there in the audience, there are going to be students marching down the aisle right by you and just going crazy, loving what they do. It's yeah. a ton of fun. So that's how you can find that on our website. Yeah, and what a spot we rehearsed- too, right? Just an awesome place. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's a great place to work. Our rehearsals are in the stadium, which is incredible. We are so lucky. That's not normal. We're very fortunate. But it does mean people can't just walk up and, you know, sit down and watch all the time. So we do have oftentimes, you know, recruits who are interested in the band come in and visit a rehearsal. But things have to be planned ahead of time simply because we're in the stadium where it's a secure space. Yeah. So, you know, if folks want to stop in on Tribal Nations Plaza and peek into the stadium, they can see and hear what we're doing. But as far as coming in and sitting down and watching, it's harder just because we rehearse in a secure space. Right. So, so, but we do have folks contact me and come in and watch something here and there and, and yeah. get that opportunity. And we'll have schools come in. They'll take their whole band class and come and watch the band. And that's always fun to have those guests. Yeah, for sure. But that November, uh, those November indoor shows, um, would that info be on the, um, on, on your webpage? Absolutely. Yeah. That info's on the webpage. Tickets will go on sale later this month, I believe, through Northrop. Very good. Well, hey, we appreciate it. It's been fun to um, to to learn about the band. Um, I'm a big fan, as you know, so uh, this is awesome. And I know you got a lot of videos to watch, so we appreciate you in the middle uh, you joining us in the middle of all of uh, of all of this hectic time in the middle of the summer. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. It's great to chat with you, and look forward to seeing you soon when football starts back up. Sounds good. Can't wait. All right. Take care. There she is. Our thanks to University of Minnesota Director of Marching and Athletic Bands, Betsy McCann. I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. A lot of cool info there on the Pride of Minnesota Marching Band. Can't wait for the fall to get here so we can indeed strike up the band. Episode number 26 of the Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Brandon Morton is our producer and technical expert. And again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts and please be sure to click the subscribe button right now on the Go Gopher podcast. It's absolutely free to listen at any time. You can also share the link on your social media channels. We'll talk again next week.